millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Just on why is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom not Game of the Year? Scott Elford, every week, ambushed, <laughs> ambushed yeah, with these loaded questions. No, we did. We absolutely that was official. did. Here's the thing, right? Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, I have played for 25 hours. So I want to preface before we get into the meat of this podcast yes. that I've nowhere near completed the game. In fact, I've played 25 hours and I only just got to Rito Village last night. Not I... seen a dungeon, <laughs> not got all the powers. It's such early days for me. Yep. But there's a reason that I've not played more, and it's that I just, I've struggled to get into the flow with it, and I'll go into more detail soon. But, you know, I want to say it's a really great game. Yes. Like, I'm talking about the difference between an 8 out of 10 and a 10 out of 10, or a right. 9 out of 10 and a 10 out of 10. It's still incredibly recommendable, still having a great time. It's just, there are two games that have released this year that I've actually enjoyed more, and I really thought this was going to come out the gate swinging for the number one spot. I do think it's fascinating watching, because I remember when I was reviewing it, and like, looking enough, thanks to Nintendo, we had it a couple of weeks early, so I managed to, I played through it largely at my own pace. I didn't feel like I had to rush it, because like, light insider, behind the curtain stuff, sometimes you get games full review within like 24 hours or a week, of, or if, barely ever it's a week. It's always like a couple of days uh, before launch, and you try and just run, run through that game, get something that would approximate a review. Um, and just put that all together, and it's horrible. It's one of the worst ways to enjoy a game. It genuinely yeah. is. It sucks. Thankfully, to Nintendo, they gave us it a bit early. So I went through um, Tears of the Kingdom largely of my own pace. I didn't feel like I had to hit a specific deadline. It was only really on the Sunday when I realized I had to film something on like the Tuesday for the Wednesday embargo that I started like being like, oh my God, I should uh, make a point of like actually doing the final mission or whatever. Um, but I think overall, when I think back on it, I think back on where I was, um, where you are now, and I think the game does have a really weird stop-starty intro. And I think that because they open up on um, the Sky Islands. I'm not going to go into plot spoilers. You don't need to worry about that um, on the audience side because you wouldn't want them either. No. Um, but it's one of those things where I think it does have pacing issues. I think it does have issues with the selling point of the game and like that idea of this big, uh, insane toolkit that you're going to get, all these different mod options that you have, all these different insane machines that you'll get to build, that in the game, you don't get to do that for 20, 30, 50 plus hours to have enough battery to power those things or to have like enough Zonai parts to build like a mech or the thing the game is helped uh, showcase, I forget the original creator who put it together, but there was like a drop drone creation of like, this thing that hovers over enemies and drops a drone into them. Yeah. And then whatever, like I find that, or I did find when I was going through it, that I couldn't build the really big over the top stuff. Or if I could, it could only be powered for like 10 seconds and then I would run out of battery again. And I think the game has these kind of issues with 
um, finding the proper crystallized charges to build up your battery or like prioritization in terms of like, should I go for the dungeon? Should I explore the depth? Should I try and find Zelda? Should I like do whatever? And that is kind of the beauty of it that you can pick and choose your own agency. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you pick and choose your own um, priorities, but I think you can, I think that the bottom can fall out of that. And I've seen like a little bit of sentiment of just like, where the hell do I go? It doesn't feel like I have the, the powers yet. It feels like various key things that I need for this adventure I don't have. And yeah. I have no idea where to get them from. Well, let me contextualize my experience with it because you raised a lot of good points there. I want to pick what them all apart. First off, um, I want to say that going into this game, I had no idea what it is. Mm. I would just assume that it was going to be more Breath of the Wild. I didn't right. look at any gameplay trailers. I didn't know almost anything about the fuse mechanic or the building mechanic. Mm. I knew there was one in there, but I didn't know if it was a contextual thing. I didn't know how limited it would be. So all of that mech stuff that you saw there in like the, maybe the disappointment that would come from not having access to all of those tools immediately or early on. Mm. Like, I didn't even know they were going to be in it at all. So well, I didn't um, know what I was missing in a way from that perspective. No, just, just super quickly, to, yeah. that was only because once, like why I said it was fascinating before for the review process was like to tie in with, the thing I meant there was that once the game hit the public, you saw those creations pop up. Like yeah. one of the immediate viral videos was this walking mech, which is nuts. Um, and I didn't certainly didn't make that in my review time. Um, but I just meant that. I just meant like talking about that wider perception of the game, the idea that you're buying this insane toolkit of possibilities. And you are, but it won't give you that for a long time. Interesting that, because yeah, like the stuff that I've used with those mechanics, like they've satisfied me, but I've got caveman brain. No, same. I, like I can't same. think of contraptions or <laughs> physics or how they really work. Uh -huh. So I'm pretty much just making elaborate bridges and I'm fine with that because it still makes me feel really smart. Uh -huh. and it, it's really cool to use those mechanics. Uh, but yeah, I've n I, I probably wouldn't even have of the mental intelligence to be able to build a <laughs> mech or a, or, a, or a dangerous laser machine right. uh, because I just, my brain doesn't work that way. Like I, I think I might have mentioned on a video or maybe just to you that every time I'm doing a puzzle, mm. I'm sat there like racking my brain trying to figure it out and my partner off screen, she's yelling like, this is the obvious solution. Just do that and you will get through. And then I do it and I do get through and I say, thank you very much. Never leave me because I don't know what I'll do with myself in uh, to get through it that way. But uh -huh. starting at the beginning, right? With no expectations about this game whatsoever in terms of its gameplay or what it had changed, mm -hmm. the opening blew me away. You yes. know, I think I mentioned this before, but that initial sky island that you get, I spent like five hours in there doing everything I possibly could right. and getting all of the different powers and realizing which powers were even in the game to begin with. You know, Fuse, Ultra Hand, mm. uh, the the one that lets you ascend. Yes, um, that is I, what it's called. That, is that, is yeah. that really? Well, what are those things in Gremlins called? They, they've, they've, yeah. they've named that well then, haven't they? Um, and getting all of that was a pure a joy. Yeah. I loved the level design. I loved how visually distinct it was from um, Hyrule in Breath of the Wild. I probably thought it was 10 out of 10 stuff. Like right. Even in just that introduction, I thought it was incredible. I thought this is going to be my game of the year. And then when you get down to Hyrule, for the next 20 hours or so, and this is as much my fault as it is the games, it became more Breath of the Wild. Mm. And it's an interesting one because had it started that way, I wouldn't have minded it at all, but it started with the promise of new stuff yep, across yep, yep. the board. And then when I got down to Earth, literally, and the the environment, because it is from Breath of the Wild with a, you know, a lot of changes, but it is fundamentally from Breath of the Wild, mm -hmm. it didn't utilize the new tool set just to, to uh, traverse and explore in the same way that the Sky Island that you started with did, that I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be more familiar than I expected. And for the first like five hours or so, which is a lot of time. It's still a lot of time. Mm. Having a having a fun time, having a good time, but that familiar rhythm set in, and I was I was itching to get back to the stuff that was promised 
to me at the beginning. That's massively worth clarifying because I feel like when I talk about the bottom falling out of it a little bit and the expectation of like the, the mod kit, the tool kit, the, the, the various Zonai abilities and everything, the, the crafting stuff, that's happened to me as well because you get down to Hyrule and you've just had all the tutorial stuff where you're building all these insane machines or you're building these different contraptions to get around, like yeah. whether it's a bridge or you're strapping a rocket to a shield and elevating yourself or you're hooking something onto a railing so you can slide down to the next island or whatever it is, you're fundamentally using the new stuff to get around. And it's like, oh, this, these are the new gameplay loops. This is fun. I'm figuring out my own way across. And you do three, I think it's three key shrines before you get to leave the Sky Island. That's like the tutorial. But that's also wrapped in with the survival elements because they're in uh, like a frosty part of the environment. So you're going freeze if you don't stay warm so you have to figure all that stuff out and there's bodies of water to cross so you build a makeshift um boat or whatever which i just made a made a makeshift boat out of a couple of bits of stone and a, and a crate with a fan on the end of it and i rode that across the water yeah yeah, yeah. felt great like you said though when you get down to hyrule all that stuff goes away and like you're in the middle and it's just like okay i guess i'll build something because you come across all these different deposits of um, building materials from hudson building corp and you can just in that moment i remember that feeling of like well i guess i'll build a cart then with some wheels and I'm, I'll, I'll use that to get around because I, I guess I might as well. Like, I mean, why not? But then you have that weird realization of like, well, I don't have the steering stick yet, so it's not going to go anywhere. I can strap rockets to it or I can strap some fans to it for some propulsion, but it's going to hit a tree or a rock or something and capsize or fall over or set on fire or whatever. And the first time that happened, it was hilarious because I built a whole machine with some flame spitters on the front of it yeah. and it just ignited the grass in front of it and blew up. And I was like, this is really funny. But at the same time, okay, like, what do you actually want me to do? I can't really use the stuff that you've just told me. That's kind of what I was getting at with the wider idea of like the promise of this like modular game. But there is a part of Tears of the Kingdom that is like intentionally quite flat to prop that stuff up. Yes. Um, but you can just sort of wander around going, what am I building? Why am I building it? Where do I go? Why? I did this for 20 hours. Got Literally. Open. And I had a good time. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm talking about <laughs> meandering around and mm. I was enjoying myself, but I was just... Like I, I was thinking of other games. I was I right. was cheating on Zelda by you know thinking about <laughs> playing um, like a Dragon Ishin or something. You know I was like thinking, a two K drive. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like yeah. a two K drive. Oh, yeah. Going back to Jedi Survivor, maybe playing Resident Evil Four again. I right, don't know. Right. And that's because when I got down to Hyrule, I started playing it like I played Breath of the Wild because it reminded me so much of Breath of the it's Wild. It's animated and framed exactly the same. Absolutely. So I was just doing what I did in that game, which was just exploring the region I was in to its fullest extent before pursuing the um, main missions, which is how I play every open world game. I right. do like a big... You talk to the NPCs. I talk you? to all the NPCs, which Why? Scott Tilford does not do. No. He did not find the emergency I'll talk to shelter. some of them, but I'm not talking to everybody. I want to, I want to talk to everyone. I want to do everything in the area. And then I want to move on to the next area and um, do everything there. Um, so that's how I was playing it. And like I said, I was having a, having a good time. But, and this is my fault, I wasn't finding the game almost. I right. was doing so much exploration, but I wasn't getting stronger. The weapons that I was getting were just like one or two damage points above what I already had. Mm. I was taking out these bandit camps and I was getting rewarded with another opal. And Those I was rewards like, all suck. Great, cool. You know, I was going to the south. I was doing the towers there and I was doing some good side missions along the way, but I was just finding the kind of like the small repetitive stuff over and over again. I was finding the guy who was trying to pro prop up his the the, the sign post yeah, with the president, president on. I was finding all the Koroks that needed to get to their friend. I was finding a load of caves and that was kind of like all I was doing yeah. for like 20 hours and I was having a fun time but it was my own fault for not pursuing the main mission and it was when I started pursuing the main mission that, I, that everything suddenly clicked mm. and I finally found the floor but it was just one of the weirdest 20 hour stints I've ever had with a game and so much of it is my fault for quote unquote and I know we say that a lot on this we podcast do. We by the way. We put a lot of stuff. Yeah, play 
playing it wrong, yeah. but um, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I played Breath of the Wild like that, and mm. I did never felt like I was playing it wrong there. No, the fact that we both had the same... Um, we both have the same play experience, I think is very telling. Like, I think if they sent you off in a certain direction more propulsively, then you wouldn't have that issue. Like, it, they sort of, like, the way they set up the idea of, like, well, I'm not, it's not spoilers, but, you know, you you need to find Princess Zelda. Like, that's the that's the setup of the game. And because they give you that as one of your main missions, I was like, oh, am I supposed to be back up in the Sky Islands trying to find her? Because it seems like in one of the cutscenes, you're pointing me in that direction. And it's just, like, there's a weird inertia that comes from that, where, like, I was just, I, I had that exact same moment where I was like, where is the game? Like, what is the, what is the thing I'm supposed to be latching on? to i have like some points on the map to go to but they're one of three main missions like i can do that but it doesn't feel like the thing i should directly be doing i should be directly trying to find zelda but you're not telling me where she is but is she in the game world do i have to go and try and find her like and then that was like a weird sort of inertial thing in itself um i didn't do that i just kind of had like you know milled around did some bits and bobs and the thing that was weird in the review process was you're obviously aware that you need to turn the game around to try and hit the review thing yeah and i was like well i can't do this for too long um but at some point i was like i'm just gonna pick a direction and go and i'll just see what i run into and um, because at least one of the main areas is in that direction anyway and i ended up stumbling across um some npcs who were talking about kakariko village and um something that had happened with some of the ruins that had fell down there and like it seemed like there was a, a person around there um and i was like maybe that's zelda okay that's cool mm. i'll follow that and it it all worked again it all started coming back in together and i was like oh there is this really great tapestry here that is like woven through the npc dialogue through the environment like through all these different visual cues and everything and the remnants of the overarching narrative that you get from the very beginning that will or should push you in a direction and because it's so tightly woven yeah it'll all come together there is a bit that is a gap in the middle of that map that doesn't really connect everything and i think yeah. because they drop you there at the beginning it's like what am I even connecting to? That was kind of my issue where I knew where to go. And I want to preface this by saying a lot of this is my problem. It's it's like my issue in a way because I always knew where the next story beat was. Mm. Like if you talk to the people in, uh, was what's it called? Lookout something? Lookout Landing. Lookout Landing. You know, they say you can go to any of these places, investigate all of these phenomena, but we, we recommend you start in the northwest mm. and you go to Rito Village. We mm. think we saw Zelda there, you know. So I always knew northwest was mm. where the game kind of wanted me to go. I could go anywhere else, but that's where it kind of wanted me to go. But like you said, because it dropped me in the middle and because there was a, an area just behind there where you start in the original mm. game, I just thought, oh, it's going to let me explore. I'm going to find some substantial stuff there. And while there were a lot of cool revelations across mm. those 20 hours going to the depths for the first time for instance yes. was insane met some interesting characters could definitely have a few landmarks I want to revisit when I'm more powerful it wasn't until I kind of did what the game wanted me to and followed that <laughs> first northwest passage to Rideau Village where everything kind of clicked and I thought okay I know how to play this game again mm. if I've got a general objective in an area and I do all the optional stuff in that area and explore that area, but still have that in mind as a destination. Everything felt so much more satisfying. And right. suddenly I found myself on the actual progression path. I wasn't taking out bandit camps, for lack of a better term, in just finding the same old clubs. Mm. I was finding better gear. Mm -hmm. I was finding new items. I was finding, you know, interesting side quests. And I thought, right, this is the game's flow. This is what it wants me to do. It wants me to investigate these places and explore on the way rather than just mindlessly exploring, which I did so much of in Breath of the Wild and you just, for me, can't do that in the early days. Well, that's here. the thing, right? Because you talk about like playing it wrong, quote unquote. <laughs> um, but the way that they set you off, because they give you that big expanse of island at the beginning, and because they give you certain tools, there is like there are other main powers to get, but they give you most of them. Um, you are kind of in that mindset of like, well, I can build things to climb everywhere. I can death stranding it to a way, to a degree. 
and I'll, ex I'll explore that way and I'll choose my direction. And I'll find stuff along the way. And because that whole opening bit is so tightly knit, you're constantly being rewarded. Like, oh, there is a shrine around here or there is like a, a band camp or something. But then the Hyrule itself, it then is more fundamentally, no, go to this place because that's where the purpose is. Um, and I think that that, yeah, that middle bit is weird. Um, we should talk about, oh, go on. Sorry, I was just going to say Do on, it. on top of that, unless this is, might be what you were going into or not, but Maybe. I think the depths contributes to that as mm. well. The first time I dropped down the depths, like I said, extraordinary. But figuring out how big that place was took me like an hour and a half of exploration. Oh yeah, it's huge. I had a lot of bright bulbs, so I was managing to illuminate the full area, but I could have got lost down there, mm. which again would have impacted when I got to the main story. And it did because I spent so much time in those depths mm. that I was like, this is great, but also... What am I getting from the depths? Well, that was I don't, I'm not getting anything from the depths, the depths at this moment in time. <laughs> are fascinating because I've used fascinating loads, but it genuinely is the word that I keep coming back to because it's they had so many authored creative decisions here that they obviously believe in, like AJ and Uma and like the, the whole Zelda team and the fact they delayed it for a whole year just to bug polish. And they knew exactly what they wanted to build with this game. And I'm fascinated by the stuff they double down on. Like they double down on the fact that the depths are pitch black unless you yeah. have either a, a mech or something. Sorry, I keep saying mech, but a, a thing that you've built with a light on it. But even then, it doesn't illuminate very far and um, maybe you've drank a glowing potion there's armor that has glow effects to it or the bright blooms is the most constant one to go back to and you, you're throwing a light source ahead of you and then running as far as you can and throwing another one and another one and you'll run out of the bright blooms and you'll just be stuck in pitch black and it's like well this isn't great like i can't see where i'm going i'm falling down invisible chasms i'm getting run apparently i'm running into a wall but i can't see it i think that the fact that they double down on that makes the depth super rewarding and i love my time with it initially yeah but you don't need to be down there until you do. The game does not incentivize being in the depths whatsoever until right at the end of the story where they start saying, you're going to have to go back down there. And I thought yeah. that in the moment, I thought that sucked because I was like, I hate that I have to just go back into this darkness and find a needle in a haystack that you didn't point me towards before now. Um, and I thought that was was quite badly done. And it's the fact that they... Like it's, it's either it's greatest strength or not, whether you like pitch black levels. Hollow Knight has one where you fundamentally need a lamp to get through an area. And it's like, I mean, Zelda's had them before too, but like, I just thought that was a weird way of doing it where it's like they play with authorship and agency so much that you can completely not realize how important the depths are until the game just has to roadblock you and go, you actually can't go further until you find this thing. Yeah. And like that kind of sucks. It, it's, it's, it's a strange one because I found it so rewarding when I was first down there and I realized, you know, when I actually ran out of bow and arrows, mm. no, I ran out of bows, before mm -hmm. I ran out of light, uh, bright bloom seeds. Right. So I had my um, armor on that was glowing. You can throw the seeds. I know, but I was like, the way I did it, Scott, it felt very efficient. I mm. was on top, I was on a high uh, kind of, I was on like a big bone, essentially, that got me into the sky <laughs> of the depths. Yes. And I was shooting off arrows in all directions, and I got like a great spread. Obviously, I could still throw them, mm. but I would only be able to throw a little bit in front of me, right? This arrow system just illuminated everything. Uh -huh. It was great. But then when I ran out of arrows, I kind of realized, okay, I'm not supposed to complete this in one sitting. You know no, what I mean? No. I have to keep returning to it. But I've not actually spent substantial time in the depths since then because of kind of what you said. I've dropped down a few times, but almost immediately walked, warped back up because I've been like killed by high-level enemies or I don't have a quest down there or I don't want to waste another, you know, 10 bows uh, down there. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to it. But yeah, it's kind of that thing of... There are so many interesting parts of this game that I, uh, I'm i excited to return to, but I'm like, I, I don't quite have a feel of when. And I think that's mm. an issue potentially with the game's pacing. Or and why. It, or why, and not a me thing this time. You know, I play other open world games. You play Elden Ring, you play mm. whatever, and you kind of get those moments, right, where you end up in an area that you've landed in accidentally and you think, I can't wait to return to this later on. Um, I've, I've had some of those moments with Zelda, but... 
I don't, I don't know, man. I've just not well, like banked them in the same way for whatever reason. No, well, that was the thing. When I reviewed it, like I, uh, you do the whole opening stuff. You go down to Hyrule. You um, talk to the character Joshua who says, like, oh, I'm going to be down in the depths. Come meet me down there. I went down there and talked to him. Um, and again, no story stuff. But I then explored the depths for the first time. I did like about maybe an hour, maybe a couple of hours. I was on the back of a skeleton horse and I had this really cool, like evil looking armor. And I was like, this is great. This is so like macabre. It's very like Majora's Mask. Um, Tears of the Kingdom is in itself very Majora's Mask to Breath of the Wild's Ocarina. And I was like, this is great. Um, and I explored, I ran out of light sources. I'd banked a couple of the, the trees, the little vines that you can interact with. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't really enjoy being down here like fully. Like I, I'm exploring it. It's cool, but I'm putting up with a lot cause I can't see very far. I'm just going to go back to uh, the surface and do the rest of the game. 70 hours pass. Right. And I get to the very end, like I said, where they tell you, like, hey, you're going to have to go back down there and do more stuff. And I'd been in and out a little bit, but that was the bit where I was like, and there was a whole, there's, I can't talk about this until we do spoilers, but I largely broke the game's progression the first time through where things were happening in cutscenes and things were being mentioned that other, like there was a whole thing where it didn't make sense. Mm. And I was like, oh, I guess you wanted me to be doing things in the depth this whole time, but you're not incentivizing me because Joshua, the character, goes back to the surface. You don't need to be down there. Yeah. So it's, it's a whole weird thing with that. Um, I want to talk about time spent because um, I clocked the game at about 70 hours. I've now done 85 um, or 90 or whatever it was. It's something like that. I've done about 20-ish hours since, like, in the end game. Um, you said you did, like, five hours on the opening tutorial, yeah. like, island, and then you did about 20 hours before your first dungeon. That's not uncommon. Loads right. of people are saying that. Jason Schreier over at Bloomberg has, like, done 45 hours and hasn't done a dungeon yet. I don't know what you're all doing. How are you? <laughs> what are you doing? Well, Scott, there's so much to do in this game. Is the thing a lot of caves? I'm not gonna lie. I've, I've been down a lot of wells. I've been <laughs> down a lot of caves. I've been getting a lot of those um, bauble, uh, snowflake bauble, oh, the bubble things. frogs, the bubble frogs. Yeah. yeah, I've been doing a lot of that. I don't know, man. There's like a lot to do, and like I said, a lot of it initially felt a little I don't bit. If I class that as to do meandering, yeah. right? But now, since I'm in that area of Rito Village, I've done every single thing I can possibly get my hands on. I've done. <laughs> all the shrines, I've got all the Koroks, I've got, you know, all of the other side missions that are available to you, I've gone high, I've gone low in the depths, and I do think, like, there's a wealth of content, it's just, for me, it was injecting purpose into that content, mm. I love side stuff in games, like I said, my favourite way to play a game is a completionist view of doing everything I can in an area before moving on, Yes, and I finally got to that over the last ten hours or so, where everything now feels substantial, mm. and I'm banking characters that I want to return to later, um, when I've sorted some thing out on Rito Village that allows me to progress. So, like, to me, there's there's so much reward in just having that kind of sense of freedom in going off. It just also leads to those situations, like you mentioned there, where in the early game, at least, it can feel a little bit overwhelming with just mm. how much there is to do. I'll tell you what I've loved doing, though, Go I've on. spent a lot of time doing Scott Telford, is... Um, Spending time in the optional Sky Islands. I have yes. no idea how much of that is, um, you know, integral to the story missions, but every single time I see something floating, mm. I find a way up there, and those are the best puzzles for me Those so are the far. best parts of the game, I would yeah, say. Uh, well, sorry, no, I, I think they are, it's it's twinned with the dungeons. Like, the dungeons are some of the most, like, specifically authored content in that game that are directly calling back to, like, dungeon design of old-school Zelda. That's where I loved they were tipping the nod to old-school Zelda, because obviously a lot of people didn't like the um, the champion, whatever you call those big, the big mechs 
in uh, Breath of the Wild, the, the various like um, right. I don't mean you know yeah, what I mean. The divine beasts. Yes, yes, yes. Divine yes, beasts. Divine there beasts. was the whole thing with the divine beasts that people didn't like. Champions were the characters that um, were alongside that. But yeah, a lot of people didn't like that they would just find the seven points and activate them. And th there's a bit of that here, but overall, you're doing more in those dungeons. And I love the fire temple. There's just things in here that I think were well done. Um, but yeah, because that stuff is so well done, I ended up ping ponging between the main um, bits. I would do a little bit of meandering, a little bit of side stuff. But I knew, I always knew where I was supposed to be going. I just think that getting there when I was talking about before building something only for it to fall apart I was like well how do you want me to get there you've teased the idea of building flying machines and vehicles and you know crazy, crazy like bespoke um, catapults or something um, but I can't really use them that well because I don't have a steering stick or I don't mm. have enough battery to power it for longer than a few seconds I'd rather just get on a horse and go that way instead I think that's the thing where it fell down to me in terms of like at the very beginning in terms of like where to go and, and why. Um, but, I, you know, once I like went to those main uh, uh, points on the map and you get really good story stuff through the geoglyphs, like that's entirely optional and you can break the game story by doing that stuff in the wrong order, which you won't know. Yeah. Um, there's a thing you'll find in the game that'll tell you which order to view the glyphs in, but you might have already watched the end of the timeline by that point. I do have that and I'm going to ignore it and just <laughs> do whatever I want. I decided, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to go to these in my order. Thank you very much. I um, found the place that lets you, that shows you what order they're in. I took a photo of it on my phone at, at, in real life, my real phone, because the Pura pad looks like a phone anyway. <laughs> um, I took a photo of it and then I annotated it based on like myself. I made my own little notes for it based on like, I've been here, I've been here. I'm going to go to this one, then this one, then this one. Yeah. And I did it in order. Um, I still, myself, before I'd found the place that tells you in order, I'd already watched a massive plot twist scene. Right. Um, and then just been like, oh, so I guess how that, that's how that goes then. Like, okay, cool. And um, But I think that's that's an interesting choice. That's one of the things that I would file under, like, you guys committed to this, but you can break your own story by doing it. I like that. I do like that. I mean, I've not seen what the twist is or anything like that, so maybe I'll regret this. Not necessarily a twist, just, just a thing that happens. Yeah. I, and like that's what I'm talking about, like the flip side of the of the freedom. Sometimes it makes for some meandering gameplay where mm. you don't know the purpose, but other times it makes for the feeling that you've broken the game, but on your own terms. Yeah. And that's what I love about every single puzzle in this game, especially the uh, the ones in the Sky Islands, because I agree with you when I'm on the ground, when mm. I'm on regular Hyrule, I rarely ever build anything unless I absolutely have to, especially for okay. traversal. Like, I'm not building stuff to get from point A to B, because like you said, you know, I'm just going to jump on a horse, and it's quicker. But you're kind of forced to use those mm. mechanics when you're in the sky. And the first time I went to an elaborate Sky Island, which had, like, it was essentially a, a set of five, and they were completely spaced out. Mm. And it's where I think your first... Um taught about like rockets and how they work so I was jumping on things, attaching rockets to them and launching myself yes. over to the other Sky Island and I kept doing that but I, I, the way I achieved success in that little realm was was in a way that felt like I was breaking the recommended travel path mm. so it felt like I was almost cheesing the game but the game wants you to do that as well because it right. gives you all of these tools and says yeah you can do it you know we, we oh, might definitely. not have thought that but you can do it so that was an incredible satisfying two hours of figuring out a way to build these contraptions to get me to this place in a way that the game doesn't want and mm. that's the kind of thing I love about the freedom it's like we've got the story for you we've got all of these elements it's up to you to figure that out and as True. long as you do figure it out it's 
like you, you realize why it's people are calling it game of the year. And I stuff. think I have a weird thing with the way that they meet out the because that's you said said the thing there about you're not building stuff to get from point to point. I view that as a core part of why this isn't Breath of the Wild too. Like I mean, it is, but it, the idea of just slapping a two on it and giving you exactly more of the same, like the fact that they built this whole extra toolkit and mod kit for everything. I should be in, I should be doing that stuff. Like they incentivize you to do it across the tutorial and they show you like how viable all those different methods of travel are. So why wouldn't you want to build a cart to get yourself around or whatever? The thing is, they meet at the um, restrict that by tying it to the zonite and they like, you get an ability that helps you build stuff um, and it's one of those things that once you get it you're like oh man I should have had this from the start okay. because then you would be fundamentally just dropping a cart in front of you or like dropping a whole thing in front of you but it's 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 meted out based on zonite and based on like resources mm. those resources are obviously tied to like the um, the mechs in the sky or like down in the depths not in Hyrule which is the thing you're going to be there the most of the time Yeah. so like you can stock up on that resource so you've got it to, to help a build stuff faster but it's always measured and I'm like I don't know if this would have been better or just as a talking point if they removed that currency and you can just build and like you still maybe you still keep the battery because then you'll it'll run out and it's kind of like um you know, you sort of, you meet it that way where you're not building extravagant stuff forever. You still have to get more battery, but the ability to build will be freed up entirely. Let's talk about that because yeah. I think our differing gameplay styles might have led us down different paths with this one in particular. Because to me, I've had my issues with the progression in terms of Link's personal strength, but the progression of the building has been pretty much spot on mm. for me. I, uh, when it comes to battery, I've always felt like I've had enough Zonai charges to get me where I need to be. Right. And the stuff that I'm making isn't elaborate enough to need a bunch of different uh, batteries at this moment in time. Super but quick, are you on. using the charges to top up your battery whilst you're using something? It depends on the structure. Sometimes I right. yes. I kept all of mine for the um, the gumball machines, the, the gacha machines, because that's how you get more Zonai parts. I've been doing half and half, essentially. Right. I've been... Say I have 100 parts, right? I've been spending 50 of them on the parts, mm. and I've kept 50 for extra charges because I know I'll need them. Mm. So I'm at this nice position where the stock that I have in terms of the items that I can use to build has never let me down. I've never hit a situation yet where I thought I need uh, the wings and a rocket to get over, and I don't have the wings and the rocket, mm. and I don't have enough charge to get it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that 
with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Uh, so that side of it, there's obviously an element of choice because I know I don't have infinite amount of them. So there's still a lot of um, conscious decision making on my part of, well, is it going to be a good use of the wings right now? Mm-hmm. And yes or no, is it, do I want to use this flame head to use this balloon if it's like my last one of my last five or something? That decision making is definitely going on. But in terms of how they build the items that you have, I've actually really enjoyed that progression mm. because like you said, you know, you, you start, you've got some wheels, you've got a basic couple of structures, you've got no steering wheel. Mm. That to me raised a really interesting question of, okay, how do I steer this thing? And my answer was to find a sail and put that on right. and use the wind for the Korok leaf to kind of try to move it around or just try to scramble and keep maneuvering it after I launch myself. Which is the spiritual continuation of Breath of the Wild's way of getting around, yeah. Absolutely. But after a couple of hours doing that, like you said, you know, it's the spiritual thing, so I used that tool set then. Then Mm. after a few hours, I unlocked a rudimentary wheel, and I thought, ooh, now I feel way more powerful than I used to. And then I'm unlocking bigger wheels, and Mm. I'm unlocking all of these new elements that seem to complement the previous skill that I had. So the way that's been rolled out, again, because I'm not approaching this game um, from the perspective of I'm going to be building all the time. It's actually complemented my play style mm. really well in mm. that I've not run into issues with it yet. But like I say, I'm quite early on, so maybe I'll need way more of those resources and don't have them further on down the line. Mm-hmm. But it struck a nice balance with me, I must admit. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm comparing where I was at your point in the story and just wanting to do more of that stuff because like, it's so, I love the physics of the whole thing. I love the feel of when you build a car with the wheels and it like it chunders over all the rocks and everything. Chunders is chunders. the word I use there. Um, I love that feeling. I think they got the physics bang on, like the, the weight of everything. Thing. If you build a bigger thing and then go to drive it, it'll feel heftier. And I'm like, that's genius. Like, and I know more so on the coding side. I know that's obviously one of the many things that are making various game devs freak out about how they were able to do this stuff. Um, but still, because they nail that stuff so well, and again, because they incentivize it at the very beginning, like there is a, a part of why Tears of the Kingdom is so awesome that is rooted in crafting, sticking some wheels onto a, a rock or whatever, yeah. and making a little makeshift go-kart and then taking that to your next objective um, and strapping an auto-tracking cannon on the front of it. Like that is that is like 
the best thing in that game, but they restrict it so much. They do free it up, but they always tie it to Zonite, and that yeah. Zonite is not available or very seldom available on the main layer of the game. If, if the if the game is one big sandwich, the middle is Hyrule, the top of the Sky Islands, the bottom is the dre- is the depths. Yeah, that middle bit doesn't actually have the core resource in that you need to build the stuff. It doesn't, but he's why I, he's why I like that. They want you to go up and down. They want you to go up and down, right? They they if, if you, like Back into I the know, darkness. Yeah, <laughs> I know that those like gacha machines are going to be in the sky always, mm. and almost every single time you get to a new sky island, there is one of those. Mm. So there's my incentive to go up. If I'm running alone resources, I see something in the sky, I go okay, I'm going up there because I can at least guarantee that I'm going to find more charges. I want to be able to trade True. them in for more things. Never mind what armor or weapons I might find up there or Mm -hmm. shrines or whatever. So to me, that works in that way because I like being in Hyrule, but I like being in the sky more. And that's like a great kind of incentive to get up there. Like I said, you know, it's uh, it's, it's funny, man, because the building in it, like I said, my brain isn't compatible with building you know, great contraptions, but at the same time... The game might teach you, though. Well, it might do. It Mm. might do. I'll never forget the, the, the moment I had about 15 hours in where I was in my peak where am I what, what am I doing what's the, what's the purpose of this right. I was like it's great but I should probably do a main mission and I got to something I've done many times before which is getting a Korok to their uh, friend yes. and I thought you know what Let's let's try this out. I'll put him on a wing. I'll attach two rockets to the back, and I'll just I'll just launch him. See how far he goes. See if he can get over this um you know mountainous region. Uh-huh. So I launched him. I absolutely lost my crap when he just started screaming. <laughs> the little oof. Yeah. The oof, oof. <laughs> he was flying across. I didn't expect him to go that far. Right. So he's launched off into the sky. I can see him going into the sun, and I'm thinking, oh no. I didn't jump on it with him, so I'm following him on foot, like trying to keep him in view, wondering if he's gonna go over where I need him to go. Uh. And he starts like floating back down because the rockets um, obviously go out. They've mm-hmm. only got so much charge. He starts floating back down to Earth, and he no joke lands between directly between two um, bandit outposts. <laughs> so I need to go in to fight everyone now to you know rescue him more or less. But it was just hilarious watching him you know essentially play dead. <laughs> <laughs> surrounded by all of these enemies. And I thought, you know what, man? That's the kind of emergent gameplay yes. that's making this so special for so many people around the world. And you get that joy from building here and there. I don't need it all the time. I don't know if you you, you probably found this, but mm-hmm. there's the game where you have to get what's essentially like a big golf ball. Yes. And you have to, you know, send it for as far as it can go. And I built, again... Uh, a rocket-based contraption there where I had the wings, I put two wheels on it so it could sit up straight, attached millions of rockets to it. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, I, I, I finally tested this hypothesis, this experimentation that I'd uh, created, mm-hmm. hit it, the rockets launched it, and it went for miles. <laughs> and it was another one of those joyous moments of, uh, you know what, I had high hopes for this, yes. and you've, I've exceeded myself here because that's just gone crazy. Those moments are so plentiful for me that I don't, I don't mind not, I don't don't mind going, uh, like, stretches without Mm. using those mechanics because when I do use them and when they do come into view, they're they're, they're joyous. No, I massively back that, too. I mean, the thing is, like, I took so many captures with this game where, like, and you're right, like, every few minutes something happens where it's like, I need to capture that, I need to capture that. The only reason that I flagged the the bottom falling out stuff is that, one, it's interesting that we both had this and we talked about it in the office before doing this podcast. I feel like the fact that the way the pacing rolls out and the fact that they um, they give you so much, like, all at once that it can be 
be sort of overwhelming. And because they have all these ideas of what you're supposed to be doing with your time, whether it's the building or whether it's like certain narrative drives or whatever, I think that's interesting to flag um, in this like in a Zelda game, like in this massive, huge like feat of coding or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's not that you don't get there. It's not that those things don't come back around. And like, yeah, like I said, I have gigs and gigs of stuff that I've taken captures of where I was like, that was, I can't believe that worked. I can't believe that happened. And whether it be, because you haven't even experienced like a lot of the dungeon puzzle solution stuff no, yet, no. where you apply that mentality you just said there to the uh, the golf ball to solving the big puzzles. And then that's one of the best, most game breaking, but intentional parts about this, um, especially for the Fire Temple one, is just like, I'm going to, I'm going to MacGyver my own way through this dungeon. You want this to be over here? Well, I'm going to strap rockets to it and I'm going to fly it over there yeah. and whatever. And I don't think I'm supposed to be doing that, but like the thing lit up and it said it was complete. So cool. This, this is why I'm, I'm pleased we waited a little bit to do this podcast because, mm. it, you know, we could have done this this Monday when I'd already played, you know, 15 hours, 20 hours. I mm-hmm. was early in the day, but I knew I hadn't found the game's rhythm yet. I knew I was still looking for it. I didn't think it was That's fair. That's a good way to phrase it, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think it was fair to really go in and talk about my problems when I was very much not doing what the game was kind of encouraging me <laughs> to do. And now I'm on that path. I've kind of unlocked something about the whole experience, right. and I'm so excited now to get home tonight and uh, finally jump into one of those dungeons because I feel like, I mean, unless I'm wrong, you've played more than me. I feel like the quote unquote the wor- there it is again. Yeah. Uh, the worst is over. Like I feel like right. it's it's only going to get better from here on out as we build on uh, the systems that are there as the progression comes into focus mm. and as I get into those puzzle solutions with the dungeons and stuff. I feel like that now I have the purpose of the game. Now mm. I have the drive. Now I have the motivation, and hopefully I won't get into another lull that I was in uh, for those early outs. No, I would back that. I think once it gets going, like I said, you can get, and it's like, I mean, I still gave it four and a half out of five. I still think that it has this incredible pace to it once you kind of find it, but you do have to find it, which is weird. Like I said, that happened for both of us. For me, finding it was that thing I said before about just picking a direction, finding the NPCs, doing the Kakariko village stuff, and then doing the rest of that region. And then like going back, like you said, to the Northwest and doing the Rito stuff. Um, But yeah, the fact that they are kind of like, so hands-on, these are the new systems, tutorial stuff, then really immediately hands-off, different biome, everything's very flat. Um, you don't need that building stuff, but we're going to give you building materials. It's a, it's a weird conflict of ideas in that spot. Well, I want to ask you something. We, we briefly mentioned this before, and I don't want to put you on the spot. On, Do it. I don't want to imply that you're playing the game wrong or anything, but I just find it fascinating when you said, like, what are you doing? And then mm. I talked about the caves, and you were like, nah, 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 no, no, caves. And well, you, no, I mean, no. I'm doing that stuff too, but I just meant, right. like, how for that long is what I'm saying. Ah, like, how okay, do you fair. spend, how do you spend 20, 25 hours, 20 hours not doing one of the main quests? That's think, what I'm saying. I think because, like... I want to clarify, if I haven't already, that when I'm talking about this game's negatives, like, the lowest it gets is a really strong 8 out of 10. You know what I mean? I'm not talking about, like, these elements make the game bad or anything like that. I'm just talking about it in terms of it being a top, top, top game of the year contender. So even when I'm having, a again, a so-called bad time or my worst time in this game, it's better than most games. So I still have a lot of um, satisfaction that comes from just exploring those caves, well, exploring thing, those right? wells. You know, spending so much time with a rock hammer, uh, mining minerals is still a lot of fun <laughs> for me. It's just not a ten out of ten experience. You know, no, my only that's the that's the thing that's the exact nail on the head or the the rock hammer on the mineral is literally <laughs> because I do that stuff after I've scratched enough of the main quest itch, and so I I always find in this genre, open world genre, I can't do and I can't spend too long in side missions or in side content when I know there's authored stuff out there. And the thing that threw me off when when I was saying about getting lost in the middle of the map is that I was trying to get to those points and I was trying to. Uh, 
know, bring in the building stuff from beforehand. And it wasn't like letting me like in full, like I wasn't able to sort of build a really cool car to get around or whatever, because it would just crash or like I wouldn't be able to steer it or whatever it was. That side of it came in later on. But I think, yeah, that's why I was talking about like time spent and like this game does milling around better than anything else. Like I've spent, like I said, about 20 hours in the end game doing side missions, doing more cave milling around. Not that I wasn't doing that stuff before, but now I am specifically doing that. Like if that was my choice to do it where you are, I would have got sick of it and been like, I'm just going to mainline to the next point because I need to know what that quest thing is. That's it. The only times I got annoyed with the milling around was when I spent a lot of time in an area and it actually didn't have much to offer me. It Mm. just felt like a connective piece of tissue between one stacked area and another stacked area. Mm. Like, maybe this was in Breath of the Wild, but I can't remember. There were so many vistas here or locations that didn't seem like they had much actually going on. And when I was, like, walking around it, maybe that's an issue. Maybe I'm supposed to traverse these much quicker than I was. And I was walking around investigating everything. These quite large spaces that were aesthetically pleasing but didn't have much loot, didn't have any characters to talk to. And it was that kind of openness and kind of barrenness which seems weird but in terms of content they certainly were barren that it made me think is there nothing here or am I just not supposed to be here yet and that was when the kind of confusion arose I'm Mm. fine milling around when I'm finding stuff which is why it's great in the Rito village area because it seems like so dense with content and Mm. everything is allowing my character to to progress but there were so many times in the early game like I said where I was in these open areas that seemed interesting and seemed like they would have secrets and then they kind of didn't and I was like am I just here too early what's going on well it's it, that stuff is fascinating because I, I like the serenity that that gives you of like the the space in between kind of thing, like as like a phrase. And I know the whole thing with um, Shigeru Miyamoto when he, you know, the, the inspiration for Zelda in the in the early 80s or when he was a kid, um, obviously he was a kid, before the early 80s, but it led to him building Zelda, was literally getting lost in the forest behind his house and stumbling upon a cave and that feeling of, oh my God, what the, what is, what's in there? And I think like, all these years later, he's still doing that. He's still like spearheading that feeling. And you don't have that feeling if he doesn't give you the openness first. You have to be able to get lost to then find something. That's and I cool. Think I, like I kind of, I do always love that. I always love that serenity. Because um, it's, yeah, like the rewards wouldn't mean as much if they were more constant. Um, so I think that stuff is intentional, but I get why people bounce off that. Like the people who don't like new Zelda, quote, quote unquote, um, <laughs> is, is because of that. It's because Breath of the Wild was intentionally, and you could use the word barren or you could use the word peaceful. Like it's, it's one like of those that. things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I've always thought that was an intentional design choice based on why he made Zelda in the first place. I love that. I love that so much. It just... <laughs> It's not a new sword, though, is it? It's it, it's not. And you know no. what? Sometimes you do spend 10 minutes in those areas, and then you find a chest, and it's it's a it's a it's six damage club. club. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, I actually wish there was nothing. I'd prefer <laughs> it if there was nothing. You're insulting me now. I do think that the game does have an issue with reward, like specific rewards, saying that's a treasure chest. Oh, my God, what's inside it? That thing's way up there. What if you get up there? It's another club. It's another, it's another opal. Again, I don't know if this is a me thing. Maybe mm. I'm doing too much of the side stuff, but I've started skipping some of the small bandit camps because I'm like, I'm going to actually expend more resources yes. than it's worth to get. Like, that was another, that chests, was, but what am I getting from the that chests? That was the thing worse. with the building, because I was like, I could spend, I could ex- I could expend this quite finite resource, unless you want to spend a lot of time in the depths, building this cannon-topped mech thing. I'm mean, using mech in, in terms of connoting this wide mess of stuff with machine parts on it to take out this bandit camp in a cool way, but then I wouldn't have any parts to do anything else or get to the next point or whatever. That's why like, I'm interested in the conversation on reducing that stuff down and allowing you to build, and, and if you need to meter it, metering it in different areas. Um, there's the whole conversation on the coding side about like, 
like the blood moon that happens every night or every other night is is resetting the world. That's why they force a cutscene on you because there's so many disparate parts to that point that you might have left lying around right. that the game remembers. So like that's great because then you can go back to things that you might have dropped or whatever. Um, but it does need to do like a cash reset every now and then, which is a great thing on the coding side. Um, but yeah, that side of it in terms of like you've give, you're giving me all these parts and you want me to use them for stuff. Um, but then you'll have a finite resource heavy game that is everything is itemized and I need a certain amount of bright bloom seeds and I need all this zonite to build this stuff. That almost undermines their entire ethos of go have fun with all these parts because it's all meted. This is why I'm interested to see what other people uh, think about this because I think, I think again, it kind of comes back to the different way we play games. I feel like you always have more of a trouble with resources in games mm. than I do. I've got an abundance of them, probably too many No, I did too at your point. Right, but okay. It just depends. At a certain point in the story where you're down in the depths for yeah, a lot longer, you're yeah, going to yeah. run out. And then it's right. like, well, all I'm doing now is going to caves hoping to find bright bloom seeds. Um, or I can build a thing with a torch on it, but it doesn't see very far so it's like oh god no no that's like like i said that's a valid point you're like i can't he's the the thing right he's my hubris because i'm going to be on this podcast in two weeks time saying scott tilford i did run out but i feel like i've got so many options for like the glow right Mm. now i've got all i've got like 400 blight bright bloom seeds i've got an armor set that glows in the dark i've got other things i can eat and like stuff and i'm like I probably will, will run out, and I'll probably I'll, I'm giving myself the big in here by saying I'm fully kitted. <laughs> nothing's going to get me, and then I'll come complaining. But right now, not just in terms of the depths, in terms of arrows, for mm. instance, I'm never running out of arrows. I've always got enough armor, enough weapons, um, I've got enough food, I got enough thing. I'm, I've got resources are plentiful yeah, in Hyrule yeah, yeah. for me at the moment in time. So why not remove them? <laughs> That's my point. If you're, if you're going to shower me in them and I can just crack on with the game and have the five-star fun, yeah. then why remove the, the the ability for that to come, to fall, fall apart? Because, like I said earlier, I think the resource management does allow for a lot of conscious decision-making, mm. not just in the um, building side of it. Like, I've never run out, but there's still, like I said, the tension there of I might run out, and that would suck if it did. Yeah. But even in, like, the stuff that you pick it up, those opals that we've ragged on quite a that, lot. I'm using them as, a, as an example. There's sapphire, ruby, whatever. You can use them really well. They're great combat items. This is what I mean. Yeah. Like, I like that I've got <laughs> a lot of stuff though. because I can, you know, attach a lot of stuff to my arrows yes. and increase the damage then. I can fuse loads of things, boss um, items, to my uh, other, other weapons mm. to increase their damage as well. Like the, the economy is there and I like that it is there because it does, even if I've got loads of stuff, offer up a dilemma of what do I want to use? Mm. Is this going to be the best use of a plus 20 or plus 50 um, damage item? Mm. Or should I save it? Should I use something um, lower in damage, but that are more plentiful. Mm. So those questions justify there being an economy at all for me. Well, the thing is with the depths as well, like I, I have a feeling that you'll have explored so much that you won't have the problem I had, where like when the game has to roadblock, and you might have already found the stuff that, you know, you, I think, I'm, that's just another thing that I'm curious about because I've not looked into this that much, is the the way the cutscenes all start to roll out and the way the story points start to roll out, it it had to react to how much I knew to at that point, which generated the way those final steps all came together. And I have to assume that they come together in different orders for different people. So your back third of this game might be like largely completely different. Mm. Um, but that was also what, led to things being broken on my part because I had done certain quests that certain people were then taught, we need to go and do the thing. And I'm like, I've already done that because I've already explored and whatever. Right. Um, but you're not recognizing this and uh, things like that. And so uh, I think with something like the depths, because you're already spending time there more actively, because um, my problem with the depths was that they didn't incentivize you to do it after that initial part with Joshua. And I was like, I'm just not that bothered about this. Like after my initial few hours, like why would I choose to go get lost in the darkness when I can be in the sky or do Hyrule stuff yeah. or do the, do the story stuff? Because I loved all the geoglyph stuff. 
Um, and it was only later on where they forced you back down there. And then like their solutions to the the bright bloom seeds that I'm saying, like, why not remove stuff? If they made it so you had infinite bright bloom seeds and you were just throwing them in front of you and running, then I would be saying, why not just put the light on? Why not yeah, just, yeah, where's exactly. the big light not on? <laughs> like, it would just be something like that. So I, <laughs> I get the whole, um, the reason for achieving something over time. And I, I did feel that the first time I was exploring the depths. I was like, this is cool that I'm illuminating my own path. And when you turn around and you see the the, the, the whole route you've taken through the depths, that's fun. Um, but it's just one of those things where I think, I don't know, I, I, it's not a, I don't have a conclusion for it, but mm. it, there's negatives to it that reared themselves over the course of the story. But I, that's something that'll just come from you playing through it. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? It's funny because for as much as we talked about the negatives here, like it's made me want to go home and play it right now. Mm. It's made me want to go home and explore. It's made me want to go to the depths to see what I'm missing. I told you before I might restart it. You I'm, yeah, I'm exactly. 100 hours in and I might just do it all again. Exactly, so it's like, like I keep saying, it's a great game. It's, <laughs> it's it's in me. It's in my blood. I'm thinking about it. Mm. Even when I'm thinking about the stuff that I don't like, I'm thinking about it. It's you just... So, the thing is, oh my God, you have so much more to go. Yeah. Like you have so much more gameplay mechanics to unlock. You have so much more to see. The way you're describing the deaths makes me think that you don't fully know what they are yet in oh, the best no possible no way, no which idea. is great. Because um, I didn't, I largely completed the game before realizing what the deaths were, yeah. um, which I'm phrasing that deliberately vaguely because I think it's exciting. Yeah. But um, you have an insane amount to come. Oh, I've got no idea, man. I've got no idea. <laughs> Yeah, this is what I, that's why I keep saying uh, it's it's a me problem because I've barely found the game. Right. I've barely uncovered what this game has to offer and what its priorities are. You mm. know what I mean? I'm playing it as Breath of the Wild 2 at this moment in time and whether it has more, whether it doesn't, mm-hmm. it seems like it definitely does. That's all <laughs> still to come. But that in itself is daunting. It's, it's yeah. I'm 25 hours in and barely scratched the surface. How long is this going to take me to get through? Scott, yeah, get to get... You know, let's 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 wind down the podcast. I was going to bring in right? one more massive negative, but carry on. Oh no, go, okay. We won't I was wind just going to super quickly talk about how much time, time we got. This is almost an hour. We will not take that long on this. But what do you think of the amount of enemies that can kill you in one hit? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. right? Because obviously it gets progression to certain areas. It makes me have a vendetta against mm. certain enemies. But maybe it's just the way I'm exploring. I've come into contact with so many of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, same, same, same. So many bad lads that I'm having to return to fight later mm. that it's it's a little bit, like I said, in my peak lull moment with this game where I was meandering, trying to find something to engage with. I was getting killed so many times same. by, you know hand eyes that were coming out of the ground and three-headed monstrosities that I encountered oh, two of. In they're definitely going to do a lot of damage. Me. Yeah, you know I mean, the little lads that still do like 12 hearts of damage and I'm like, how are you killing me in one hit? I don't mind those, to be honest, okay. as long as it's not like, when, when I come to a camp full of them, I mm. know that I'm not supposed to be there yet, but if there's one on their own, I'll give him a go. I'll, <laughs> I'll try to kill him. And he provides a nice little challenge. And in, at least in my experience so far, has had a nice little item to so steal. You, yeah, you definitely get stuff, good stuff from them, like as you can then fuse it onto your weapons and everything. But for me, I just I had a bit of an issue with the fact that the only thing Zelda can serve up as difficult, as something that's difficult, is one-hit kills. Or is enemies that do... What if this, what if this enemy did a lot of damage? And it's like, have you got... Anything else? Like, have you got anything else that is more enemies that are more timing based to defeat them? Enemies that I need to climb around and hit a weak spot. They do have some, but they're not fundamental. You can't still defeat them from the ground. Like, yeah, stuff like that. I just, uh, I was just one of those things where I was like, because in Breath of the Wild, it was one of the only big negatives. Like, the everyone hated the Lynels that they could do like twenty hearts of damage, and they just sort of took that model. And you still had white moblins and everything in Breath of the Wild, but applying that to the the wider set of NPCs, the wider set of enemies, so that like a random arrow will just kill you or whatever. It's tough, right? Because 
uh, it's gonna sound so patronizing. It's Do not it. supposed to sound patronizing, but like when I was playing through Breath of the Wild, I realized quickly like combat isn't the focus of this game. Combat is mm. is fine, it's good, but it's so simplistic. I'm doing the same thing over and over again. The joy wasn't from the combat. The combat was just something in the world that I, I love did, the combat. like shield surfing or something. In here, Ooh. it's like the same. It's like I'm 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 encountering the same enemies from Breath of the Wild. I'm using the same tactics. When I come across a boss ogre, I'm getting out a big stick and I'm doing the move where you hold the attack button. Spin at him. And we spin at his legs and that takes half of the health (laughs) off him. And then I come down with a big smash and then I just whittle him down. I'm I'm shooting the, the eyes, the weak spots. It's just... It's rote, it's satisfying, but it's nothing more than that. And I'm, I've kind Are you of, not like running off cliffs and slow mo headshots and backflipping and doing the flurry rush and like I'm doing the yeah, that's what I mean. Dropping big boulders on people's heads. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm doing the flurry rush. I'm doing the slow mo air mm. arrows to hit the weak spots. It is very it is exactly the, the same as Breath of the Wild. Yeah. That's it. You know, it's good. I'm, I'm not here slagging it off. It's just <laughs> I don't come to this. Maybe other people do. Maybe I'm missing mm. something. I don't come to Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom for the combat. Mm. The combat just is a thing uh, that's in there. I think that's why... I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, same. The thing is, I thought that they give you such a simplistic um, combat toolkit that you could experiment with it quite nicely. You can feather the lock on. You can like run it. You can disengage quite easily. You can do group attacks. You can hold the button, do a group spin. Um, or like you know, get some lift off something. Like I just chuck a fan down and, and like, use that lift, or like set something on fire and then use that as an updraft. Slow motion headshots, whatever. I thought they there was a nice amount there, and um, I get why people thought there would be more because the Tears of the Kingdom is identical, minus the like uh, you get a handful of additional like abilities as the story rolls out. Um, but yeah, I just thought they would do more with that, like uh, maybe an enemy that you have to engage slow mo to even see it or something. I don't know, right. like something, anything other than just relying on what if the enemy did more. Because to me, that's so boring. That's it. Let me clarify. You know, when I'm when I'm going up against a group of enemies, there's a lot of fun and a lot mm. of ingenuity in deciding on how I'm going to tackle each enemy and like how am I going to what's my strategy here mm. am I going to sneak in throw a load of bombs in explode them am I going to jump in am I going to you know shield surf in like what am I going to do <laughs> what I'm talking about in terms of being unengaged by the combat is that literal one-on-one mm. fighting when I'm just swinging a sword or a spear or whatever in their attack. I mean, I'm jumping and I'm flurry rushing. Mm. Like the combat scenarios that they set up, I love every single time when I'm fighting one of those big rock bosses <laughs> and I shoot <laughs> a flame arrow onto the ground and I do exactly what you said, use the paraglider to lift me up and on top of them to batter their weak spot. Like mm. that is amazing. Those moments keep the combat fun and worth doing it's Mm. just yeah i don't care much for the one-on-one fights uh, and i don't really get much from that kind of um uh challenge did you or have you fought the big uh, auto constructs yet the big and there are lots of cube parts and they move to form different things i've fought three of those one of them i realized the other day maybe this is super obvious to people but i thought this is this is one of those like oh my god this game rules moments where like when it becomes it's like flattened airborne form and it throws the blocks at you i um froze that in midair climbed on and rewind rode it back up to it to hit its weak spot did that, that was fun. In the, I realized you could do that in the second time, right. in, the sec, in the second fight that I had, and I had the same reaction mm. of, this is the best game <laughs> I've ever played. This is so good. It uh, was I, a nice time. I feel like a genius. This <laughs> game m- makes me feel smart. Uh, yeah, like those moments are, are awesome. It's just... Mm. I want more of them. I what was the thing? Because we should wrap this up. You started to say something more positive before I talked about difficulty oh, stuff. I can't remember Scott Salford. I really okay. can't. I think I was just going to say um, the game is good. <laughs> the game it is, is really great. It's the a, game is good. Isn't that what Reggie Fizeme once said? Uh, maybe. Maybe. The game is good. It's my, th- like, so far, early days, 
It's the third best game I played this year. It could vie for the top spot when I get into the dungeons, when uh. I get into the late game. I was just going to say in our little wind-down moment, there's too many games, Scott Tilford, because <laughs> what's daunting about Zelda isn't its own fault. And what's frustrating about Zelda isn't its own fault either. It's that it's coming off two five-star games that I've played, those being Resi 4 and Jedi Survivor. And it's coming very soon before Final Fantasy 16, another 100-hour experience that I want to play. And I actually worry, again, going back to the me problem thing, I worry that I'm (laughs) playing them too close together. I think if I played Zelda, say, over a Christmas period Mm. where I had nothing else on, I was back home with my parents and I was just chilling with it, when it wasn't sandwiched between these other games, I probably would cut it so much more slack. It's just that frequency of the the, the, amount, the amount of great games we've had this year and the great games undoubtedly to come that I'm like, I wish I let it breathe a little bit more. Mm. I wish I didn't have this kind of drive to get through it so I can then go to Final Fantasy without being burnt out. It's such a me problem. You can push but it back. I think with them, um, it's interesting because like, yeah, one of its greatest strengths is that serenity, is that sort of peacefulness and then stumbling upon something incredible. Like, but you only get that by relaxing into it. Like the people that really hate the new Zelda model for Breath of the Wild and Tears, um, like some of the, that portion of the, uh, the fandom or the audience want that more rigid structure of like literally go here, literally do this. This is the puzzle solver. Um, they don't like the, the super open-ended of it, but obviously the, the fallback is that the entire game is one giant puzzle, and you can just get lost in it and have fun with it. But yeah, it is. It's weird that the pace for it that's obviously kind of like brings it all the way back to the things that we talked about. There's a pace they set at the beginning that they then massively relax and yeah. just say like, "You'll get there. You'll probably get there eventually." Um, and I think there's a danger that the bottom falls out of that. And obviously there is, you know, but it's not like everybody is completely effusive about Tears of the Kingdom. There is that echo of Breath of the Wild saying like, "Yeah, it's still kind of aimless." I don't know. Um, I think that comes from that. I think it comes from sort of pace changes or pacing expectations. Totally. And you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way, honestly. Mm. I like the how complicated this game is because it gives us a lot to talk about. And like I said, you know, even when we're talking about the negatives, I'm, I'm dying and itching <laughs> to go back to it to experience those negatives because mm. those negatives are still better than most of the games. It's still more polished than most of the games. True. It's just, it's Zelda's huge. There's a lot of expectations around every Zelda installment, but especially this one with it following up Breath of the Wild, mm. with it hitting like 96 and 97 or whatever it is on Metacritic with the expectations expectation going into it already that it's going to be game of the year i didn't Hmm. have those expectations with breath of the wild which allowed me to get lost in it allowed it to surprise me allowed it to wow me with this it's in the shadow of not only that game but the other games i've played this year and i think that's why i'm a little bit harsher on it because Mm. it doesn't have that same surprise factor it never could with it Mm. being such a direct sequel and it's like it's funny how different the context... How, well, it's actually funny how what context you play a game in, how that affects how you perceive it, because the the context of Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, for me personally, they couldn't be more different. No, and I also think people asking, should I play Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom, just go with Tears. Right. Like, I, Breath of the Wild is still a superior game to me, but it is because of that context. It's because they were rebooting the entire formula. Tears is a better game because it is Breath of the Wild with the extra stuff. Um, and like, yeah, and I think if you came into it fresh with tears and you didn't have the whole comparison of saying like, okay, I get which parts of this are Breath of the Wild. What else do you got? What's your new thing? Oh, that's the new thing. I want to do that. I want to do more of that. Yeah. Um, you know, if you just came into it completely fresh, then it's maybe those, uh, that idea of pacing lands better. Well, I've, I mean, I've said before, like uh, Breath of the Wild to me was so great because it was the first time I'd experienced Zelda. A lot of the staples of the series, I didn't know anything about. Mm. In when I went to play Skyward Sword, 
in realizing that, you know, a lot of the same tropes were present in that game as they were in Breath of the Wild. Mm. Like, it didn't make me like the game less, but there's a novelness to experience something for the first time, right, that I'll just never be able to recapture, mm-hmm. and that's not the game's fault, but it's it's also a reality. It's like, that was my entry point. That was mm-hmm. the first time I experienced all of this stuff. And if every Zelda is just a remix, and great remixes of those components, like, I'll never get that freshness again. <laughs> no, well, they, I mean, uh, AJ Numa has said that, like, going forward, the, the new Zelda is what they're sticking with. So it's like, um, we'll just see what happens. But I think, yeah, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom are very definitive break from, like you said, Skyward Sword was the last time they did that specific formula in 3D. Um, but yeah, I think like the the things that they're tapping into and like ultimately spiritually it is a continuation of what the original Miyamoto design was is kind of magical, like is absolutely beautiful. It's just that I think, like I don't think, for me personally, I don't think it's this like squeaky clean five star, oh my God, I can't possibly believe they've done it type thing. There are elements of that in there. I said in the review, there are five star moments in an otherwise four and a half star game, which I largely stick by. And I feel like it's just, yeah, as people play through it more and you're like verging on like 30-ish hours of it, um, I think those conversations are, are, <laughs> are fascinating, <laughs> mainly because they haven't been had yet. Like the, so far, the discourse on Tears of the Kingdom is look at this insane machine that I made. Look at this thing going wrong. Look at me crucifying the Koroks. <laughs> We're not having actual analytical conversations about it yet. And I think that um, that's the best part of this whole post-game, like the, the loop, the whole thing that we go through or whatever yeah. um, before it gets cut off by Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> well, that's it. <laughs> Honestly, man, I think for my health, I might have to push Final Fantasy 16, which <laughs> I don't want to do, but I can't do it with it. You've only got so much time before Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Well, this is it. You know what? This is this is, this is is not healthy. Plus, <laughs> we've got another long weekend coming up in the UK. Yeah, we do. And I'm away on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's Slam Dunk. See you there if you're going. I'm at London on Monday to see the Moldy Peaches. See you if you're going okay. there. Um, and I'm like, when am I going to get back to Zelda? When can I put some quality time in this game? I was a little bit ill last night. I had yes. a bad head and went to bed at 7 p.m. and slept all the way through. It's a hell of a sleep. And the thing that I was most disappointed by was that was supposed to be Zelda time. That was <laughs> Zelda time, Scott. And I'm not going to get that back. When do I have time to play this game? I don't know, but I feel Summer. like whenever you do get back to it, it will be a beautiful, magical time and we'll do some sort of other follow-up. I didn't do an intro for this whatsoever, but this has been The Wind-Up. I've been Scott Tilford. That's been Josh Brown. It's always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you. Enjoy the long weekend if you're in the UK and we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Yeah, should clarify. No, it is this week, isn't it? I was going to say, clarify at the had end. That. Yeah, where. Yeah, we're actually we're recording, recording this on Friday. Yeah, the, yeah. the day before the long weekend. Yeah. You're getting this on Monday. Hope you've had a lovely time. Absolutely. Yeah. Bye, though. Bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50-80% to less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.